What's good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Amatilaka TIS podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Got a lot of stuff to talk, talk to you today. I'm going to recap the Thanksgiving NFL action from Thursday. Bears, Lions, Redskins, Cowboys, Falcons, Saints. I'll also touch on Michigan losing to Ohio State yesterday and why it's time for Jim Harbaugh to be out at Michigan. I'll also pick three games in Week 12. I'm going to keep my eye on, and you should too, in the National Football League, and I'll give my picks and then get on up out of here. Item number one, let's start with the first game that aired on Thanksgiving Day in the NFL, and that was Bears and Lions. Uh, Bears coming in to this game uh beat the Vikings on uh, last Sunday last Sunday night against the Vikings beat them pretty good uh 25 to 20 I believe the final score was you know the game wasn't really all that close if you watched it from start to finish um and the Lions coming into this game uh came off a win at the hands of Ron Rivera and a dumb decision to go for two with about a minute and change left in the ball game, and the Lions had all three timeouts. So, he had that coming into today's game. Uh, the Bears won 23-16. to uh, Chase Michael, who started for the injured Mitch Trubisky, who, hurt, who got hurt last Sunday in the win. Chase Daniel, uh, aforementioned uh, journeyman, as they call it, uh, he was 27 for 37, had threw for 230 yards, two touchdown passes, played well in the game, played played well enough to uh, to help the Bears win. He played well enough to the point where, you know, as long as he didn't blow the game or anything, uh, he let the Bears defense go hunt, and uh, that's exactly what and that's exactly what they did. Uh, had Kyle Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson. They um had two interceptions on the day, and then Jackson, matter of fact, had to pick six that put the game away late. Uh, it was tied sixteen sixteen all uh, in the fourth quarter until uh, Jackson got the pick six to put the game away. Um, takeaway out of this game, uh, the Bears, uh, their defense, no, they're not the A five Bears by any stretch. <coughs> Chris Collinsworth, who last week waxed poetic on a defense. This this isn't the 85 Bears defense they had. Sayers, Singletary, Fensick, McMichael, and Dan Hampton with uh, Refrigerator Perry and uh, Richard Dent to compliment. This this is not the 85 Bears defense under any circumstances. It's a good defense, but... When it's the Chicago Bears, you got to measure up to the 85 Bears defense, which it has not done. But granted, it's still a good defense, and uh, it showed as it uh, propelled them to victory with the help of Chase Daniel playing decent football on Thanksgiving. On the Detroit side, listen, this is why you can say that Matt Stafford is overrated and overpaid. I mean, I don't want to hear anything about Matt Stafford being some great quarterback or some quarterback that's worth his money when he goes out on Thanksgiving and basically uh, stinks up the whole building. He went he went 28 for 38, 
threw for 236 and two interceptions. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt did a decent job with 19 carries, 88 yards, and two touchdowns. But when you got Matthew Stafford turning over the football, you can't expect to win games like that. Uh, game number two, Redskins and Cowboys. Coming into this game, the Cowboys were coming off of a win against the Eagles. Yes, it was the Eagles. No, it was the, excuse me, it was the Falcons that they beat coming into this game. VA game-winning field goal on the road. So they come home, their annual Thanksgiving 430 game, and they play a familiar opponent who they played back in October, the Washington Redskins, who if you remember the Redskins winning last minute because of a missed field goal via the Cowboys after they had a five-yard false start penalty that made, forget the length of field goal, but it made it five yards longer, made it harder to make for their rookie kicker because, of course, they cut Dan Bailey during um, training camp this season. Um, but the Cowboys won 31-23. Um, Colt McCoy, who started for the Redskins, of course, after uh, Alex Smith came um, broke his leg in their loss last Sunday against the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, Colt McCoy, he went 24 for 38, 268, two touchdown passes and three interceptions. Adrian Peterson had a quiet day with 12 carries and 35 yards. Um, first off, let me touch on this, then I'll get to the Cowboys. <clears throat> Before any Redskins fan goes out and says that the game was rigged and the refs were trying to screw us and they don't, come on, uh, uh, let's be real. Were the refs bad and missed some calls? Yes, they did. But you can't sit up there and say if you're a Redskins fan and plant this entire loss. You're lucky you lost by seven because that defense was an absolute disgrace. Missing tackles left and right, allowing Amari Cooper to basically have a Complete freaking field day on you. Eight receptions, 180 yards, two touchdown passes. You only dropped the ball one time. It was targeted nine times, caught eight balls. That let Amari Cooper, who basically people were questioning the trade, you know, trading really first round picks for Amari Cooper, had everyone questioning Jerry Jones, and now you're making Jerry Jones look like a genius because you said because your defense freaking pissed down your leg and allowed Mari Cooper to have a career day in his uh in his really first breakout game as a Cowboy. And then you look on a rushing, then you look on a rushing game. It was just as bad, if not, I'd say worse. Ezekiel Elliott had twenty, had. Carried the ball 26 times for 121 rushing yards and a touchdown. I mean, I don't want to sit up here and listen to you know the refs and and I get it and and but I, I get it. The refs get bad call on Jordan Reed, bad hold. I understand all that. Blown pass interference calls. I understand, 
But when your defense is sitting up there playing horse crap football, allowing Ezekiel Elliott into Amari Cooper to run wild like that, I don't want to sit up in here and talk about refs and and the killed momentum and and all that other what killed momentum was y'all giving up big plays. That's what killed your momentum. And what kills momentum is when I got to sit up here and look on like a, on I think it was a first or second and goal. And I'm looking at Dak Prescott basically juke out and basically escape every Redskin ever to put on a uniform. About, about five missed tackles on that rushing touchdown he had. On top of the fact that they had a chance to sack him when the play first started to develop. And it, been, and it was almost as like Dak Prescott, you know, went to went to someone's Thanksgiving dinner table, took the butter from the that they supposed to put on the rolls, and put it all up and down his uniform. Cause all I saw was a bunch of Redskins sliding all off, sliding all off of him on Thanksgiving. I mean, what a joke that defense was. That defense completely spit the bit and stunk up the joint. Open, open. Uh, open uh, receivers down the field, allowed Dak Prescott to extend plays, couldn't get the sack and finish off the play. When they had their arms wrapped around him, he let them escape. He slept, he danced, he twirled. He, I mean, he did everything known to man to make sure that he was going to make a play when all was said and done. And so I want to sit up here and listen to Redskins fans talking about refs and killing momentum and and you know, uh, and, and giving me history and giving me lessons on how referees can kill momentum in, in a team, and how and how one little play can like if affect the whole game. The now the rest wouldn't rest with no angels either. Again, Jordan Reed, back judge has to. I don't know what the heck he's looking at. I don't know if he's looking at the, at the at the gorgeous cowboy cheerleaders or worrying about what he's going to have for dinner after the game or what. But he has to see that Jordan Reed how much a helmet hit, especially with a guy that has as many as concussions as, as uh, he does. And all we ever hear about from the league is how to make the game safe. That's why if you basically fought on a quarterback, you basically get uh, roughing the pass or 30-yard penalty automatic first down and all that sort of stuff. But uh, but I want to hear from the Redskins fans. Play your game. Tell your defense to stop making Dak Prescott out to be uh, Troy Aikman, and and play defense, and, and stop allowing Ezekiel Elliott to to run wild like he's Emmitt Smith, or to let uh Amari Cooper turn into Michael Irvin or um or a uh, what's the guy's name. Michael Irvin or uh, his name Drew Pearson stops <laughs> Drew Pearson having Jerry Jones after the game basically have the temerity the audacity undermitigated gall to refer and to have Amari Cooper named in the same sentence as Michael Irvin make sure that doesn't happen on Thanksgiving and you embarrass yourself in front of America Colt McCoy did the best he did I blame I blame his defense for imploding and playing like absolute purity crap. I mean, gee whiz. I mean, Alabama's defense could have did a... This is the Alabama defense that, you know, shut knows how to shut down offense. I believe Alabama's defense could have did a better job defending the uh, Cowboys on Thanksgiving. That was an absolute disgrace. Absolute disgrace. I don't want to hear anything about refs and about killing momentum. None of that. Defense, do your job. 
Stop letting Dak Prescott roll around all over the field, basically taking 10 years to throw the football or finally makes up his mind he's going to run with it. And I got to see a bunch of Redskins crash into each. Gee whiz, was like, I was like watching a Looney Tunes cartoon. Got players running all over the field every which way, like chickens with their head cut off colliding and bumping into each other and sliding off of them. Gee whiz, what a joke. But that's what that's what they got, and that's what they deserve. Lucky that they came within a touchdown of beating the Redskins. Came within eight points. Um, but hey, but Cowboys, yeah, I gave you the stats with them. But uh, Redskins, uh, and it was very vital for the Redskins to win that game. They they needed to win that game in order for them to uh, make headway and to pad their lead in the NFC East. And they needed that game real, real bad. And they need, they needed, they that was a desperate game for the and a desperate situation for the Cowboys. And they needed to win that game and in order for them to um, gain gain and build momentum in the NFC East. They definitely needed that game, and uh, they blew it. They blew it, and they. Pissed it right down their pants as the Cowboys, or excuse me, the Redskins remaining schedule is they have the Eagles next Monday night and then they ha- on the road, and then they ha- which is going to be a hard game for them to win. Um, and they have the Giants at home, Jaguars, Titans, Eagles. I see them beating Jacksonville. Giants, I don't even really know. That should be a win, but. Because the Giants are doing what they're not supposed to do, and that's to win games instead of tanking, getting good draft picks, and tear the whole thing down and rebuild. You got the two Eagle games, which I don't know. The Titans, they're playing decent football. And then the Giants, which who knows? I really only see one win left on on the remaining games on the schedule, and that's against uh, Jacksonville. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, if you look at them, Cowboys have the Saints. The Cowboys have the Saints, which still lose that game. Eagles, you never know. Colts, flip a coin. Buccaneers, who they should beat. And the Giants, flip a coin. So, you got it. So, that's the way you look at that. And then um, Philadelphia, you look at them, they have. The Redskins, or excuse me, they have the Giants today. Sorry, they have the Giants this afternoon at home, and they have the Redskins next Monday night. Then they go on the road and they play the Cowboys, which they should beat. Um, the Rams, which they'll lose, and then the Texans, which flip a coin. But you see, this division's wide open Redskins, Eagles, Cowboys. Um, and then who knows a miracle and the uh, Giants could be in the mix for the division, but they're not mathematically eliminated yet. I mean, who knows? They could end up running the table, go nine and seven, excuse me, go nine and seven. But, uh, but that's that moving on to the third game, um, Falcons and Saints. (sighs) What can I say? The Saints are the NFL's best team. Yeah, that's right, I said it. The, Sa- the Saints are the NFL's best team. They are. 
they are the best team. Because unlike Kansas City and unlike the Rams, which we saw Monday night, unlike those two teams, the Saints have a defense. They gave up 17 points. I mean, I mean, let's look at the Saints games for a minute, shall we? I mean, let, let's 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 look let's look at their games. The Saints, they beat. First off, they beat the Falcons Thanksgiving night. In case you're living under a rock, they beat them thirty-one seventeen. They beat them thirty-one seventeen. They beat the Eagles the week before, 48-7. They beat my Bungles, 51-14. They had to do some work, and they beat the Rams, 45-35. But, really, outside of the first game of the year against the Buccaneers... Which they lost. But outside of the wins against Atlanta the first time and Ram game, this defense has been something to be reckoned with. Gave up 17 points against the Falcons. They gave up 7 against the Eagles. 14 against my Bungles. 20 against the Vikings. 23 against the Ravens. 19 against the Redskins, 18 against the Giants, 18 against the Browns. So they let their opponents score within 17 to 20 points. And with that high-flying offense, when they're putting up 31, 48, 51, 45, 30, 43, 33, 43, 40 points again, you know, when their offense can do that with with Alvin Kamara in the backfield and Drew Brees, who, and credit my cousin, Kendall, if you're listening, credit her with this. She brought, as we're all sitting there watching the game, me, her, we're cousins, by the way, but me, her, and everyone else, we're all sitting there watching this, uh, watching the Saints and Falcons game, and we're all sitting there in awe of, I think Drew Brees threw like one of his last touchdown passes of the night, and she was sitting there in awe of Drew Brees. She was in awe. She and she couldn't. She couldn't believe. And she brought up a good argument. What this guy is able to do at his age is stunning. And she and she brought up something that it made my ears water. How how great of a statement this is. And she brings up a fabulous point. Drew Brees should be getting, if not more, if the same, if not more attention than Tom Brady. She said right out, like, can we start talking about Drew Brees and what he's able to do at his at his age and, and how well he's able to throw the football and, and instead of harping on Tom Brady left and right? And I gave, I said, I said, sister, you ain't never lied because I'm telling you, what Brady's doing, yeah, but... What is what is Brady the first and the only man at forty in his early forties to late thirties or early forties to to play good football? 
and to th- and to be a and to be a persistent, prolific passer in the NFL. Like, was he the first guy to do this? Meanwhile, we got Drew Brees in all little New Orleans. He's not too far behind uh, Brady age-wise. He's like 38, 39 years old. He he's throwing the ball just as good, if not better, than Brady is. And she brought up a good point. We need to start talking about Drew Brees and giving this guy more attention instead of instead of you know waxing poetic on Tom Brady every day. Because gosh Almighty, that gets so annoying every single time. Brady, 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 Brady. Ooh, Brady, this. Ooh, Brady, that. Ooh, look at Brady. Ooh, Brady, this. Oh, Brady, so fantastic. Oh, Brady, Brady, Brady. Oh my God, it makes me sick. She brings up a good point. Shut up about the Tom Brady talk and let and and, and and let Drew Brees shine in the spotlight. And all the obvious reasons why, because he doesn't have the championship, and he doesn't have the championship. He's not as handsome. He's not made to the. Da- I don't care about all that, all that stupid crap. Because doggone it, this guy is performing just as well as Brady is, if not better, as far as his skill is. As for as far as his skills and his ability is concerned, because this guy is still throwing the football as well as he's ever thrown, he's completing his passes, accurate passes. He's making everyone around him better, which is everything everyone waxes poetic about about uh, Brady about. He makes his players better, and he refuses, and he is just that smart that that team needs and that spark that that team has that leads them to victory day in and day out. Which, last time I checked, is all thing Tom Brady does. She is absolutely right. And I thought, and I took that, I said, I'm going to mention that on my, ne- on my next podcast episode. Because, doggone it, she's right. I mean, can we give Drew Brees the credit that he deserves? Can we give him the credit and the lavish attention that he deserves? I get it. He's not a pretty. I get it. You know, I don't care if he's if he isn't as handsome as Tom Brady is. If he isn't married to Super, I could give a. I don't care. This is professional sports. Since, as to a degree, we have to look at this. We have to look at this as far as stats and and cut and dry and what and what value of work they have on the field instead of it being uh, instead of it necessarily being a, a dopey com- a popularity contest. I mean, I get it. Tom Brady has five Super Bowls, but, but Drew, Drew Brees is... I mean, listen to this. Drew Brees, 15 for 22, 171 yards and four touchdown passes. Four touchdown passes... 15 for 22. Think about that for a minute. I mean, Drew Brees. I mean, can we give this brother more attention? He's thrown a touchdown pass at 13 different players this season. Tied for the most in the season since 1970. And back to that Saints defense. They've had eight takeaways in their first eight games. They have now nine takeaways in their last three games. Saints are the best team in football. I get it. Jed Goff and McVay, the defense, the, and the Chiefs. They, those defenses have to have to clean it up. Their 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 formula is 
outscore your opponent. Saints formula is let the defense go hunt, take the ball away from you, and we'll let Drew Brees and company do what they've continued to do, and that's go out there and put the ball in the end zone. Drew Brees needs to get more attention and to get and needs to get more love from the sports world and needs to get more love and more attention and quit it being such a popularity contest. What because what because he's what because he isn't married to a supermodel that's worth a hundred million grand and it doesn't necessarily look it it doesn't look like he quote-unquote, belongs on some runway in America, what, he doesn't deserve to get more attention? No, there's a bunch of bull. This, this, he, he is a legitimate quarterback in the NFL. And you don't need me to tell me that. But, he, but he's great. First ballot, Hall of Famer. And it's a shame that the people that the people in the mainstream media, whether it be NFL Network, ESPN, or whomever, they need to give him more attention because he deserves it. To be quite honest with you, he's the quarterback for one of the best teams in football. He's fifth in the league in passing yards. Fifth. Fifth. We need to give Drew Brees more attention. Bottom line, he's a great player and he deserves it. Doing what he can at his, I mean, what what is the, what is Drew Brees a young buck? I mean, he's a little younger than Brady is, but he's he's been around, you know. You start giving him more attention, because quite frankly, he deserves it. He plays on one of the best. Right now, his team is one of the best in football. He had, Listen to this. He has a 76 completion percentage. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards already. 3-1-3-5. 3,135 passing yards. 20, listen to 29 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. 29 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. Three, over 3,000 yards passing. Think about think about that for a minute. Tom Brady has seven touchdowns and seven interceptions, and has sixty five percent completion completion percentage, and is thrown for two thousand seven hundred forty eight yards. Drew Brees is doing Tom Brady is out doing Tom Brady this season in, in every category: completion percentage, passing yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. Kendall Pumphrey, I hope you're listening, but you are 1,000% right. We need to start giving Tom Brady more attention. Or, uh, excuse me, Drew Brees more attention and more love for what he's doing on the football field. Because he, he deserves it, gosh dang it. He, he's, become, he's become my new favorite quarterback. Now that Peyton Manning's out, he's now, now going to be my new favorite now. Start, start, we need to start giving him more attention. Instead of being so hung up on Tom Brady. It's enough.
we come back, I'm going to talk Michigan-Ohio State. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatel Agatia's podcast. Switching gears now to college football. Uh, yesterday was the annual Michigan versus Ohio State game. One of the most fierce, intense rivalries in all of football, college, and the NFL. As number four, Michigan, holding on to that last spot in the college football playoffs, went to Columbus, Ohio to take on Urban Meyer's 10-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. The game saw it start to finish. The game yesterday wasn't even close. Ohio State won the game by the final score of 62 to 39. End the regular season 11 and 1 on the year, basically ending Michigan's hope of competing for a national championship. Ladies and gentlemen, Not yet, I'm I'm not going to touch on the college football playoff committee having a difficult decision as far as deciding the four teams that should compete for a national championship. I'm not going to discuss it. I'll save it for another date and another time. But I'm going to spend these next minutes or so discussing is Jim Harbaugh it is the same Jim Harbaugh that coached at Stanford coached Andrew Luck and it's pretty good so so good that he ended up with a job with the San Francisco 49ers. During Jim Harbaugh's tenure, he led the 49ers to three straight NFC Championship game appearances. 2011, lost to the Giants at home. 2012, beat Atlanta on the road and went to the Super Bowl and lost to his brother. 2013, went and played in Seattle and lost there. And in 2014, he didn't have such a great season. Then he went to Michigan. In 2015. He went to Michigan. For one goal and one goal only. To win the national championship. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that he has not done that. And he's making a lot of money. He's making... Making, I think, five... I'll get back to you on that. I'll look it up. But he's making good money for a college coach. And... One of his main goals in coaching, not just in the, not just in but in coaching in general, is to win championships. Something that which is something that he's failed to do. And every single time that Michigan has a chance, has a chance to compete for a college football championship or and or just even to get into the Final Four, he's pissed down his leg. Two thousand sixteen finished ten and three and third place in their division. And in two thousand sixteen again they played Ohio State with a playoff bid on the line. Game went into two overtimes and Ohio State beat them thirty to twenty seven. And he went to the Orange Bowl and lost 33-32. 2017, they won 8-5. and five. Then 15, his first year. Went 10-3. and three. And again, no college football playoff. So 2018. They were ranked 14th in the nation. Lost their first game of the season to Notre Dame 24-17. Then beat Western Michigan University and then SMU. Who cares? Then after a bye week... They beat Penn State 42-7, moving fourth in the college football playoff rankings. They beat Indiana 31-20, and they played Ohio State once again yesterday. And lost by the final score of 62-39, like I previously stated. But... 
not only did that knock them out of contention for a playoff spot, ladies and gentlemen, do you know that Jim Harbaugh is 0-4 against Urban Meyer? Did you know that? He's been there since 2015. And in the Michigan-Ohio State game, he lost every single time. And this year, it's a little, it's a little more embarrassing because if you remember, folks, heading into this 2018 college football season, you remember that folks weren't even sure that Urban Meyer was going to be there to coach the Ohio State Buckeyes this season. After how he handled his one of his coordinators a few years ago in the handling of his coordinator, who was a domestic violence offender. We weren't even sure if he was going to be on the coaching staff this season. And basically had to take Ohio State fan base to make sure that they didn't fire him. He was suspended the first few games of the season, but his future heading into the season was in jeopardy. If you would t- and I got the alert right now as I'm speaking, Ohio State is number six in the college football playoff rankings. And if Alabama beats Georgia and Ohio State takes care of business against Northwestern in a Big Ten championship game, who would have thunk who would have thunk it that Ohio State would be looking at a chance to compete for a national championship after what happened with Urban Meyer this past summer? And then for them to go through all that and Jim Harbaugh still cannot beat Urban Meyer is an absolute disgrace. I don't want to hear anything more about Jim Harbaugh and how great he is and the media waxing poetic about, oh, Jim Harbaugh, this, Jim Harbaugh. I don't want to hear none of that. He couldn't get it done in the NFL, and I, he's getting paid an arm and a leg. You know, ESPN and the sense of chemical out there to fly out with Michigan when they go do these European tours in the spring. He can't get it done in the He couldn't get it done in the NFL. Lost to Eli Manning, Matt Ryan, and Russell Wilson. Well, excuse me, he beat Matt, but he lost to Russell Wilson he lost to Russell Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Eli Manning while in the NFL. He was in college, and he, and he can't beat Urban Meyer. He's 0 for 4. And yet again, no college football playoff and no national championship for the University of Michigan. Something has to be done. Quick, fast, and in in a hurry. Come back, take three, take uh, two games at the NFL, and preview them for you in Week Twelve, and then picks, and then that's it. Back after this. Welcome back to Hotel Akatia's podcast. Uh, before we get out of here, pre- take two games. You know how this goes. I take two games, Week Twelve, the NFL that are most intriguing. And I ramble about them. Uh, what else is now? Do Seahawks, Panthers, and Packers, Vikings. 
first Seahawks Panthers. Um, do you know these two teams have combined for three out of the f- they they've represented the NFC in three out of the previous five Super Bowls. You realize that three of the previous five. NFC champions to represent the NFC in Super Bowl have been these two teams alone. Cam Newton once in Super Bowl 50 and in the Seahawks twice. Uh, that's, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Speaking of which, Russell Wilson is averaging 241 yards per game. He ain't thrown for 23 touchdowns, 5 interceptions with a pass rating of 110.2. Cam Newton has, has averaged for 279 passing yards, 20 touchdown passes, 6 interceptions, and a 102.7 passer rating. Seahawks are the only team in the NFL that have three different players for 100 rushing yards. And that rushing game, I'll tell you this season, has definitely improved compared to what it has been in years past. They have basically have found, because they missed the days of Marshawn Lynch sitting there in the backfield. So what they've done is, well, three running backs equal up to one Marshawn Lynch. Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, and Mike Davis. What a job they've done for Seattle this year. And Seattle, they got to do a good job to make sure that they uh, put their opponents away, especially if they come close to victory. And, uh, and to make sure to finish the deal when trying to spark these last-second comebacks. They, the last four losses they've had have come within against teams that have seven wins or more, and they've all come in within a score or less against the Bears, Rams twice, and the Chargers. Um, so you got that to look at. And uh, so you have that to look at. Um, but, uh, Seahawks coming into this game, coming off of a win uh, two Thursdays ago at home against the uh, Packers, which they desperately needed to keep their playoff hopes alive. And especially with the way the NFC East is going, these two teams have to buckle down, straighten up, and fly right. Seahawks coming in this game at 5-5. Five and five. Carolina Panthers coming at this game at 6-4. and four. Uh, The Panthers coming into this game uh, lost last time out against the Detroit Lions last Sunday after a bonehead asinine decision to go for two at the hands of Titanic Ron Rivera. Um, so they're looking to bounce back there. Uh, I'll pick that game later on in the show. Meanwhile, we go to Packers and Vikings. Vikings coming into this game, coming off of a Sunday night football loss. They go back-to-back games on Sunday night football. This time, last week, it was against the division rival Bass. This week, this is against division rival Green Bay Packers. Packers have had plenty of rest. Uh, to prepare for this game, uh, having played two Thursdays ago, they've had plenty of rest and play, plenty of time to prepare for this game. Packers desperately needing to win this game if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. Coming off of a loss where they lost to Seattle. Um, Vikings need this game too after getting pumped by the Bears on the road last Sunday night. And they need this game as well. So come back, and Kirk Cousins and I'm, and I'm just spoiling already. I'm gonna take the Packers in this game, um, simply because I do not trust Kirk Cousins to play on a prime time 
big game of any stretch under any circumstances. I do not. I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't trust him if, if my life was on the line. I wouldn't trust him. He, he can't. He can't. He could. He can't play a big game if he couldn't perform well in a big game and on a major stage and on national television if his life depended on it. Aaron Rodgers can. That's basically why I'm taking the Packers in this game. Just a little spoiler alert. So come back. I'll give you your picks, and I'll be end of the program. Welcome back to the Tell I Can Tell You's podcast. Let's get our picks before we get on up out of here. In a league where they play for pay. Game number one, Oakland and Baltimore. Oakland coming off of a win last week against the Arizona Cardinals, 23-21. Baltimore coming off of a win as well. Beating my Bengals last week at home. Baltimore favorite at minus 11 points. Um, over under number combined points is 42 and a half. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll take Lamar Jackson getting a second career start. I'll expect, and they plan on showing off Lamar's arm in the game. I'll take Baltimore to win big 31 to 10. New England and the Jets. New England coming off of a bye week and then the week before. We got absolutely manhandled by the Titans last week. Meanwhile, the Jets coming off of an embarrassing loss against the Buffalo Bills. Jets always give New England fits, especially in uh, Baltimore. Um, or excuse me, in uh, MetLife Stadium. New England's favorite at minus nine and a half. I'll take New England to win the game, but I'll take the Jets with the points plus nine and a half. I'll take New England to win 28-21. Seattle at Carolina. Carolina is a minus his favorite at minus three and a half. Carolina, like I said, coming off of that loss last week in Detroit. Seattle coming off of a win at home against the Packers. I'll take Seattle win, and I'll also take Seattle with the plus three and a half points. I'll take Seattle 24-21. San Francisco and Tampa Bay. I will take Tampa to win the game. Excuse me, I'll take San Francisco to win the game, but and I'll also take them <coughs> excuse me, plus three and a half. Tampa Bay's favorite of minus three and a half. I'll take San Francisco 27-24. New Orleans, excuse me, skip that, excuse me. Um, Jacksonville and Buffalo. Jacksonville is favorite at minus three. They blew a 16-point lead against at home against the Steelers last week. I have to get a win sooner or later. Meanwhile, Buffalo's coming off of a very impressive victory against the Jets. I'll, Jacksonville's favorite at minus three. I'll take Jacksonville to win the game, but I'll take Buffalo with the points plus three. I'll take Jacksonville to win 21-19. Tennessee. Uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's favorite at minus three. Remember, no A.J. Green. Cincinnati coming off of a loss in Baltimore last week. Meanwhile, Cleveland is coming off of a bye week. And in the week before, where they beat, um, let me me pull it up right quick. I should know this already. But, uh, in week 10, I believe they beat. Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they beat Atlanta, so I thought 28-16 in Week 10, which was the last time they played. 
Uh, Cincinnati's favorite of mine is three. Remember, no AJ Green. I'll take Cincinnati to win 28-17. Giants and Eagles. Eagles favorite in minus six. Eagles coming off of a absolute debacle, worst loss that they've taken in quite a while at the hands of New Orleans Saints. Meanwhile, the Giants are coming off of a win at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll take Philadelphia to win the game, 27-20. Arizona and the Chargers. Arizona coming off of a last-second defeat at the hands of John Gruden and the Raiders last week. So they hold, go on the road to play the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are favored minus 11.5. I'll take, I'll take the Chargers to win 28-14. Miami and Indianapolis. Indianapolis favored at minus 10 points. Take Indianapolis 31-21. Pittsburgh and Denver. Pittsburgh coming off of a comeback win on on the road against Jacksonville last week. Meanwhile, Denver is coming off of a last-second win of their own, beating the Chargers last time out. Pittsburgh's favorite at minus three. I'll take Pittsburgh to win 28-23. Then you have Green Bay and Minnesota. Green Bay coming off of a loss at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks a few Thursdays ago. Meanwhile, Minnesota's trying to rebound after losing to Chicago last Sunday night. It's a home game for Minnesota. Minnesota's favorite at minus three and a half. Take Green Bay to win the game, plus the three and a half points. I'll take Green Bay 24-21. <coughs> excuse me. And then the Monday night game next uh, tomorrow, excuse me, Tennessee coming. Tennessee and uh, Houston. Houston's favorite at minus six. I'll take Houston to win the game, but I'll take Tennessee plus the six points. I'll take Houston to win 24-21. That has been another episode of the Amitelaka TIS podcast with Jai Shields. Enjoy your week 12 action, everybody. Have a blessed and safe week. Talk to you next week.